It is Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. And in case you haven't noticed, it's a day that we're going to immerse ourselves. We're going to surround ourselves with the gospel, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and especially the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel on which we have taken our stand. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when he wrote, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Let's pray. Father, we come before you thanking you that you hear our prayers. And Father, we know that you hear our prayers because Jesus lives. And Father, we are here today to worship you because Jesus lives. And Father, we stand before you as people who serve you and serve others because Jesus lives. Father, thank you that Jesus lives. And Father, we thank you for the hope that we have for true life lived with you because Jesus lives. We pray this through his name, Jesus, who is the Savior. Amen. It's a long and in many ways a very tortured history. The story of God's chosen people, the story of Abraham's descendants, the story of the Jews. It's a story of spectacular victories, and it's also a story of devastating defeats. It's a story of ruling over many people, but it's also a story of being ruled. It's a story of great faith, but it's also a story of great apostasy. It's a story of tremendous devotion, but it's also a story of apathy. It's a story that moved from the depths of slavery in Egypt to the heights of power under King David and King Solomon, only to descend again to the depths of division, the depths of defeat, and the depths of dispersion. And then the story became very quiet. God's people survived the dispersion. They returned to Jerusalem. They returned, they returned chastened. They returned depleted. And they returned still controlled. They rebuilt the temple. Sure, it was only a shadow of the temple that Solomon had built, a shadow of its former glory. But at least once again, the worship of God, the worship of Yahweh had a home. And yet God remained strangely silent. And in that silence, anticipation began to grow. Hope began to build. Surely God has not abandon his people. Surely God will act again. 
Surely the Messiah, surely the Savior, surely the Promised One will come and will move God's story once again. Surely God will move the story of God's chosen people back to the heights of victory, the heights of power, the heights of rule. And then after years of silence and after years of anticipation, it happens. God is once more on the move. God is no longer silent. God's good news is breaking through. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, we read this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. He is the Lord. The Christ child has been born. The Messiah has arrived. The Savior is here. And the future of God's chosen people suddenly looks so very bright. And as the baby became a man, it was evident that God was silent no longer. Because Jesus began his ministry with powerful words and with mighty acts. And the people heard and the people saw And as Jesus' reputation grew, so did the crowds. And the question that was on so many lips was voiced by John the Baptist from a prison cell. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2, we read this. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Is this Jesus the one? His answer is the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached. Judge for yourself, am I the one? Yes, this must be the one. And the future of God's people looked so bright. Sure, there were bumps in the road. There was this growing chorus of opposition from Israel's leaders. But as Jesus performs miraculous sign after miraculous sign... As the blind see, as the lame walk, as the deaf hear, as the sick are made well, as the demons are cast out, as the crowds are fed, as the storms are calmed, as the dead are raised, as the good news is preached with authority. This must be the one in the future for God's people looks so bright. Surely this is the one they've been waiting for. Surely this is the promised one. Surely this is the Savior. Surely this is Messiah. Surely this is the Christ. And as Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem on a donkey, and as a a large and loud crowd shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! 
as they identified him as the Savior, as they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as they shouted, blessed be the King of Israel, Hosanna in the highest. Surely this is the one, the future looked so bright. God's chosen one has arrived, a new king has been lifted up. King David's heir is on the scene And surely this promised one will transform God's chosen people back to prominence, back where they feel like they belong. Surely he will transform them from the defeated back into the victorious. Surely he will transform them from the ruled back into the rulers. And the future looked so bright. And then, shockingly, And suddenly, everything changed. Jesus, Jesus the one who brought such promise, Jesus the one who brought such hope, began to speak of things like betrayal, speak of things like denial, to talk about last meals and to talk about his own death. And when Jesus led his closest friends, his closest followers into the garden to pray, the darkness became overwhelming. There in the garden, Jesus told his friends, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, sorrow to the point of death. And then we see Jesus fall to the ground and pray, my father, if it is possible, May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then we hear him pray, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Do you hear the anguish? Do you see the darkness? And as those anguished prayers transition into Judas's betrayal kiss, everything begins to fall apart. And the present looks so dark. Jesus is arrested. Jesus is falsely accused. And those loud shouts of Hosanna, those shouts of Savior, those shouts of King, those shouts that just a few days before had echoed throughout Jerusalem are now replaced by different shouts. Shouts that say, crucify him. Crucify him. And Jesus' followers are shocked, and his followers are scared, and his followers become scattered. They're all scattered except for Peter. Peter, bold and loyal, but even Peter, heartbreakingly, as a rooster crows, Peter denies Jesus for the third time. Denies that he even knew Jesus. In the present look so dark and the angry mob and the Jewish leaders got their wish Jesus was declared guilty he was sentenced to die by crucifixion and as Jesus carried his cross to the hill Savior Messiah King Christ had instead become enemy 
And unbelievably, Jesus was nailed to the cross. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was cursed. And Jesus was insulted. Matthew 27, 45, we read this. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 50, we read that when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, he died. And at that very moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when Jesus cried out to God and God did not answer, everything seemed lost. And when Jesus breathed his last and the curtain ripped in two, darkness seemed to have won. The present looked dark and so did the future. And we know how these stories are supposed to progress. We know how these tragedies are supposed to end. We know what happens when a loved one, especially one with such promise, especially one who has brought such hope, especially one who is supposed to be the one, we know what's supposed to happen when that one suddenly, cruelly, unexpectedly, violently dies. So as Sunday dawned, And as a group of women, a group of Jesus' dear friends, as they gathered together to go to Jesus' tomb, we know what kind of day Sunday was supposed to be. Sunday was supposed to be a day of mourning. Sunday was supposed to be a day of defeat. It was supposed to be a day for the critics and the skeptics to point a finger and say, with smug satisfaction, your Savior was a fraud. His death has proven it. He's buried, he's gone, and he, like the other pretenders who came before him, he will be forgotten. Sunday was supposed to have been a day of darkness. Sunday was supposed to have been a day of grief. It was supposed to have been a day when Jesus' broken and confused followers felt lost felt overwhelmed, overwhelmed with hopelessness. And even those loyal women, those good friends of Jesus, even those women who were preparing to go to Jesus' tomb on Sunday, they expected nothing more than to find a broken and lifeless body. Sunday was supposed to be a day of sadness. Sunday was supposed to have been a day of weeping. We know how that story is supposed to go. But we're not the author of this story. God is the author of this story. Our God is the author of this story, and our God had other plans. Matthew 28 and verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. 
The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead. Sunday was supposed to have been a day of mourning and defeat. It was supposed to have been a day of darkness and grief. It was supposed to have been a day of sadness and weeping. But God, our God, transformed Sunday into a day of rejoicing. He transformed it into a day of victory. He transformed it into a day when the children of God can come together and say with confidence, He is alive. Sunday is a day when Jesus' disciples can affirm that Jesus, Jesus will never be forgotten. It's a day when Jesus' disciples can gather together in a place like this and say with certainty, He is risen. He is risen indeed. It's the day that has driven out all darkness. It's the day that's driven out all grief. It's a day that's erased all sin and it's removed all shame. And this is the day when true followers of the risen Savior are absolutely flooded with hope. See, this is the day that the Lamb crushed Satan. This is the day that Jesus tore through the chains of death. This is the day that Jesus claimed all mankind for his kingdom. This is the day. This is the day when God transformed tears of despair into tears of overwhelming joy. Overwhelming joy because Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ... Our Lord Jesus Christ has turned this day of sorrow into a day of worship. So let's stand together now and let's worship our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing. Sing, Lord, like a shepherd.